Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart, a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Hi, everyone. I'm, well, it's obvious. I'm John Verhoeven, and I was a cop back in the 80s in Sydney. And I'm Paul Verhoeven, John's son. I'm an author, and I wrote two books about Dad's time as a cop. The first five seasons of Loose Units spanned my time in general duties... Forensics, my time as a firefighter, and even my stint running a funeral home. This season we're visiting the locations of Australia's most notorious, baffling, horrific crimes and looking at what happened there. From Snowtown to the family, from the Morehouse murders to haunted highways, this season of Loose Units is your go-to guide to the worst crimes in Australian true crime history. Welcome to Loose Units, The Shadow Files. Hello and welcome to Loose Units, The Shadow Files. Almost every week, listeners, as you'll be no doubt aware, I beg Dad to let us talk about a case that doesn't end in the murder of, typically speaking, a woman. Crime seems to disproportionately affect women uh, in terms of murder, in terms of the true crime world is littered primarily with... uh, with dead women, and it's, it's really upsetting. And so every every once in a while, I beg Dad to let me talk about a case that doesn't involve murder. And Dad said, well, we've got one here involving uh, the disappearance and murder of a young woman back in the late 90s in Queensland. And I said, cool, you haven't listened at all. But as will become apparent, and for many of you who already know this case, uh, this, this is a real outlier, things don't go where they're meant to in this story. This is the story of a woman called Natasha Ryan, who went uh, missing in 1998. Thing is, she wasn't a woman at the time. She was a 14-year-old girl. And everyone thought she was, you know what? We're going to do this properly. We're going to do this in order. Dad, how did you come across this story? I mean, I know a lot of people have heard about this. Apparently, it's, it keeps cropping up in the tabloids. But how mm. did it cross your metaphorical desk? Well, it wasn't my desk, Paul. It was my bed. Right. Okay. I was um, horizontal. It was Sunday morning, very early. And one of our... Fans, Heath Johnson. Thanks, Heath. Shout out to you. Paul and I, we love your work. We don't know what you do, but we love it. <laughs> so Paul, he, he sends, he just said, look, in fact, I'm going to read what he said. Mm-hmm. He said, got a perler of a case for you. Look up Natasha Ryan from Rockhampton. That's all he said. And you did. It's 5.25 in the morning mm-hmm. when that comes through. I have never heard of this case, have you? I'd never heard of this case. No, I I never heard of this case. The funny thing that the media do, when you go and look, start to sort of dig into the case, you come up with a lot of photographs of her. And this is one of those cases where I'm actually... (laughs) You know how they always manage to get the worst possible photograph of, like, politicians, for example? Well, a tabloid usually waits until you are... Half dressed, staggering mm. to the car in the morning, bleary eyed. 
Correct. Yes. So the photos of this girl, Natasha, looking at um, photos of her when she was 14, yeah, she's um, on the surface mm-hmm. a relatively innocent girl who goes missing. Well, she's the thing is, I think she's my age. So in 1990... Oh, she's roughly my age. In 1997, I was... 14 or 15, I think. So I'm just trying to imagine someone in my mindset and what, what it would be like to go missing. But she went missing in Geraldton, yeah? Hmm. In Queensland. Um, what, was her, what was her upbringing like? What kind of a person was she? How was she sort of perceived before she went missing? Because I know that hmm. a lot of people say, oh, she was loved by the community. She was, you know, she was amazing and whatnot. Um, there, are, there are definitely conflicting stories. Uh-huh. One of the stories that I found fascinating, she actually had a nickname. Uh, the nickname was Grasshopper. Right. Now, I was thinking about, there was a TV show back in the, I guess the 80s or maybe 70s. Uh, Kung Fu, did you ever watch that with David Carradine? No. Oh, Paul, it's iconic. Yeah. And his, they called him Grasshopper. Right. Uh, but apparently she used to feed... She'd go to nursing homes at Christmas and, and feed the infirmed. Right. The which infirm. is kind of nice, the infirm right. as well. So, like, sick and old people, she did some charity work, right? Because I heard she was a bit of a rat bag, which she, is not... A, mm. It's not really... That, that, that's not a criticism, I mean. A no, no, no. Right? But, but, but from what I've been able to glean through various news sources, so I'm sort of p- putting a fairly reliable case together, mm. is that she'd also... Uh, this was not her first sort of time she'd... Apparently, I mean, we don't want to sort of give too much away too early, but let's just say hmm, this is sort of a bit complicated to talk about without giving too much away. But she had she'd done some things. She'd she'd faked her own pregnancy. Did you know that? I didn't know that. Mm. No. Um, Um, I mean, look, the thing is that a fourteen-year-old is not in a particularly stable state at the best of times. I'm not judging her for being a messy teenager because they say she was taking drugs. Uh, She there was an attempted suicide. Mm. Uh, She'd run away from home a lot. None of that stuff surprises or bothers me because it just sounds like a teenager. I know, know. and that's problematic because, um, look, you know, when you go to the police, yeah, as the family did. And say, look, our fourteen-year-old daughter has, you know, she's she's missing. Yeah. So the mother drove her to school that day, and from the moment the mother left, sort of dropped her off, the girl Natasha, she didn't make it to her classroom. Okay. Do you remember? Did when you went to school, Paul? Did the teachers every morning do a roll call? Yes. So they'd sort of, you know, they'd have a book and they'd. Oh, you know, John Verhoeven here, which is in year 10, I was never there, uh, which is, that's another story. But, um... Well, by that rationale, by that, by that logic, you would have been reported missing. No, you wouldn't day. have been, because you'd be the kind of person who did go missing, right? Yeah. Right. Um, but she, she never made it to school. Right. And the parents were aware of her past, her mm-hmm. antecedents. Yep. So it, it was fairly low-key, the response for a few days, but then they thought, shit, this is, this is out of character. Yeah. And they then reported her missing. And Let's talk... I need, to, I need to... The real elephant in the room for me and kind of the figure around who a lot of this revolves. So, first of all, she's a 14-year-old, right? Mm. Yep. And she is, at this point, she's dating a 21-year-old. Mm. Um, the milkman. 
that's illegal. It is illegal. I discussed this with Christine this morning. Yes. Uh, I found this aspect of the story problematic. Whilst I don't like to judge... I do. It's illegal. I know that, Paul. But it's illegal to have sex. So that's you've got to be very careful there because you can you can say or they can certainly say that they were just boyfriend and girlfriend. Yeah. Now so you see what I'm saying? I mean I the sex part of it is illegal. But then they could say well we don't have sex. But I but kind I mean, of I I understand, Paul. Look. I guess, look, I guess what I'm saying is it's it should be for everyone. It's amazing how few people in all the reading I've done, all the news sources, hmm. how few people are kind of going, hey, 14, 21. I know, I know. I like, get how, it. How is, this not, how is this not more of a talking point? I totally get it. And that's, for me, it was a, a, it was a big issue. Yeah. Not the big issue, which is a magazine given out yeah. by homeless people. But um, it's... it's I, I, the, but then you start to question the, the morality of the parents, don't you? Yeah. Do you sort of then start to think, but what type of family was it? Uh, mm. Look, it's just weird. I mean, was he actually, he was a milkman. We know he was a milkman, but mm. was he the milkman? Did he deliver their milk? Which is kind of even weirder. It's a small, yeah. relatively small town. So something else worth pointing out about the milkman is the fact that uh, in July of 98, right? So before she went missing mm. um she ran away from home while walking the dog and then they found her at an outdoor festival and uh they realized that she'd been staying in a hotel with the milkman mm. right yeah uh, with her 21 year old boyfriend and they were going to charge him with uh, a charge of abduction mm. um but they ended up charging him with a uh, they find him for obstructing police investigation right yeah yeah so I feel like that's something worth bearing in mind before we move into what actually happened to her shortly after that. Well, look, I'd just like to say that the the trauma that she caused her family, because she's gone and they believe Mm. she's been murdered. Mm -hmm. And also really important that at that point in time in that town was a notorious killer who was terrible. I've seen him referred to as a serial killer. I'm not sure if that's... Would you agree with that? He murdered... Um, yes, I definitely would. Okay. But, 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 Paul, we don't need to focus on him now. Suffice to say that he had murdered a nine-year-old girl mm. within that vicinity, within that period of time. Yeah. But then he also admitted to murdering other women. But when he was in jail, he was already there on an indefinite life sentence i.e. never to be released. He was a very, very bad man. He was nicknamed the Rockhampton Rapist. So when, before I was talking about the time when she went missing and actually she was at the festival with her boyfriend, right? Mm. That was July 98. Yeah. Um, August the 31st, 1998. So pretty, pretty quick turnaround there. Uh, her mum drops her off at school and then she disappears. Correct. So Natasha Ryan completely disappears. Uh, she ran away a fair bit, obviously. Um, so police were like, "Look, maybe she'll, maybe she'll show up." So months pass. Uh, people start to kind of give up, and at that point, yeah, the 
there's a list, there's like a laundry list of women who go missing. And according to this source, between the ages of 19 and 39, there was a nine-year-old girl. They start going missing. And that's when Leonard Fraser enters the picture. But he's in prison at that point, isn't he? He's hoping to get protective custody within the jail. Mm-hmm. He was obviously just in the open section where his life was in... He was in danger of, yeah. of being um, you know, bashed and murdered by fellow inmates. Gotcha. So the police... They, he would have organised uh, a meeting. The police have come to him. They're very concerned about the, the missing you know, 14-year-old. They're trying to sort of find out what happened to her. And he makes an admission. And he says, I killed Sarah. And he said that. But he actually knew that he was giving the police false information. Okay, but how does this affect the parents? Like, what, what happens? The public has been following this story for ages. There's parents, there's locals. It's a small town. Everyone seems to be invested in the uh, disappearance. So what happens once that gets announced, that a, uh, a killer has confessed? Okay, well, then what happens is that they hold... This is three years now, three years gone by. Yep, okay. They have about 80 people and all the young friends and family, relatives... You know, the locals, they have a very, very big uh, sort of, a, I guess, a, a goodbye ceremony because they now know that their daughter's dead. Um, a, they a, released balloons, I think. They, they released 80 balloons into the sky. Yeah. yeah. And it was, a, you know, obviously a very emotional... I guess it kind of gave the family some closure. And whilst they've never, ever recovered her body, mm-hmm. they feel now that they can move on with their lives because a terrible, terrible person, he has made an admission that he, in fact, what he says is that he met Natasha at a cinema in town. Mm -hmm. And obviously she would have been 14 at the time. He was a a predator. But the family know what's happened to their, their daughter. Uh, the police, they can, they can tie up loose ends, they can wrap it up, and then people can move on. Because that's what you want. Yeah. You know, these pe- when people go missing, uh, there are closure. 30... You want, you want closure. closure. Yeah. yeah, there are 30,000 people a year in New South... Uh, sorry, in Australia, 30,000 go missing. You know, that, that, that's the point in the story where, you know, we think, okay. And then what happens? They have another trial, okay? Yeah. And during this trial, this um, serial killer, you know, slash rapist, slash terrible man, during the trial, the day before, the detective in charge of the murder trial Mm -hmm. receives an anonymous letter with an address and a phone number. And it states that... Natasha Ryan is at this location. This is one day prior to the trial. Police then do a raid on this house. And can you guess who's living at the house? The milkman. They do a raid. It's the milkman's house. They find Natasha hiding inside a cupboard. Um, has she been there the entire time? In the cupboard? Well, I mean... Five, we're talking five years now. It's not a huge town. First of all, how close was the boyfriend's house to her family home? 
a few kilometers. Uh, but they did move around, but that's we'll come to that shortly. Okay. Yep. So they do the raid. Yep. She's sort of hiding in this cupboard. And they get her out of the cupboard. She doesn't want to go. She's scared. She's nervous. The reason she's so scared and nervous is that she's very, very aware that she's been away for five years in the same town and, and other towns, you know, in North Queensland. She says she's so incredibly ashamed of what she's done to the hurt she's caused her friends and family. And she's been living this lie. It just has become so big that she has found it impossible to extricate herself from the lie. I mean, five years, Paul, is a long, long time. Mm -hmm. So the father, Natasha's father is in court when the lead detective stands up and addresses the judge and the jury, the defence, the entire court, and says that the murderer who's in custody, who's been charged with multiple offences, multiple murders of multiple victims is pleading not guilty to one of those murders, that being Natasha Ryan. Natasha's father is in the court. He literally passes out with, with shock and horror hearing that because then the story begins to sort of come out that Natasha was not murdered and is still alive. Unbelievable. Five years the family have believed their daughter was was A, dead, B, been murdered, C, mm. murderer, ad, makes it full admissions to murdering their daughter. They've had the, the, you know, two years prior to that, they had this amazing sort of ceremony, releasing of the balloons, to be in court to find out that Natasha's still alive. She would now be 19 years of age. So back to the milkman. He is charged, mm -hmm. and the amount of money that it cost the Queensland government, the police, the SES, during those five years preceding the murder trial, they did searches, incredible searches, that cost hundreds of thousands of dollars. The man hours, the, the police work, all the services, aside from the incredible trauma... And all this time, Natasha has been hiding. Now, here are some interesting facts about the, 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 the depth of deception that the, the couple went to. Yeah. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. 
United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. This is so sort of significant yet such a tiny detail but for five years the boyfriend yeah never bought sanitary napkins for natasha ever because he knew that if he was seen buying sanitary napkins they knew everyone knew he lived by himself yeah they'd be thinking what so she used to cut towels up and make her own sanitary napkins she they they never ever hung any of her underwear on a clothesline. Right, so you'd walk past the house, you'd see the blinds drawn, but you'd also see clotheslines with just one man's clothes and you would never suspect anything. He was a known bachelor for the period mm-hmm. from her disappearance. Yeah, okay. And he had a lot of... He had friends, and friends of his, of his yep. regularly came to his house. And what would she... Oh, the closet. The closet. Oh, God. Natasha would hide in the closet... Yep. And she actually became, in terms of media sort of descriptives, they described her as the woman in the closet. Yep. That was one of her sort of non de plumes. And yep. um, it's fascinating. Now, she used to go surfing at nighttime. The two of them, sort of under the cover of darkness, mm-hmm. would go down to the, the local beach. And... It's sort of thrilling and exciting to think that this was perpetuated for so long. And then, of course, what did she do while she was inside the house? She did cooking. Mm -hmm. She did a lot of needlework, probably became quite proficient. You know, she did a lot of, spent a lot of time on the internet. And I'm just thinking about five years. Wow. Unbelievable. Um... Now, this is when it gets a little bit bizarre. Okay. Obviously, the police wanted to know why she'd done this. And importantly, and very importantly, so did her family, obviously. And then she made some very, very unusual and definitely cryptic, but are they believable or plausible? I'm in two minds. I guess... She infers to the mother, mm-hmm. she says, you have no idea why I really left home. And even if I did tell you, you probably wouldn't believe me and you probably wouldn't think it was that important. Now, my mind immediately goes to the stepdad. Abuse? Abuse. Oh, yeah, okay. okay. <clears throat> That's where my mind automatically goes. Mm-hmm. But you know what? It's bullshit. I'm calling it calling it that's it's not that's not the there's nothing in it otherwise the police would have 
they would have drilled deeply into that aspect. I don't believe it. I believe that she, yep, uh, she she left the house. She stayed with the boyfriend, and it's not a sort of a light sort of. It's not. Look, what's happened since then, Paul? Yeah, is that they got married. She has had three children to the milkman. Mm-hmm. She is now a registered nurse working in hospitals in Queensland. What's nuts and that I read is so basically they got out, right? Um, I think she managed to avoid any charges, but uh, the boyfriend, I think he served 12 he, months. He did. He was sentenced to three years jail. Yep. Uh, he served 12 months. Yep. Okay. okay. Uh, for, all the, for all the grief. But Paul, this is where we now need to talk about the media. Because well, even this, this kind of leads on from my point of I was about to say, how do two people like that? I know she's a registered nurse now, like you said, but how do two people like that manage to make a living after such a huge controversy? And I assume you're about to tell me. Mm. Well, we have legislation mm. called, you know, like profiting from the proceeds of crime. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> it's a very, very interesting uh, sort of topic in itself so some of the biggest media publications in the country and and from what i've been able to gather also from overseas they knew as do as do the two of us sitting here today Mm -hmm. we know that it's a fucking good yarn and wouldn't it be fascinating to to find out all the intricacies it's just bloody fascinating so of course the big the big media you know the hardcore hitters um and for those that don't live in australia we have well there's the tv show 60 minutes which is which is big in america and australia Mm -hmm. um owned by the nine network in australia and also the women's weekly which is a uh, a magazine that's been around well you know i'm not going to sort of be historically sort of completely factual here but i would imagine it's been around for a minimum of 50 years and probably a lot longer and these, uh, these publications, these organisations, through some very hardcore, high-profile, you know, representative sort of agents that sort of come in, sort of like thinking if we can sign this particular couple up, it's going to be big. And it was big, Paul, because they were offered sums in excess, bearing in mind we're going back a fair time, mm-hmm. of uh, $200,000. That was one story. So that solves the money problem. Yeah. Yeah, okay. And that's a lot of money. So they do the stories, the, the Women's Weekly, they, mm-hmm. um, they attend, you know, you know how I said that they got married? Yeah. The Women's Weekly did this huge exclusive. They sell the rights to that as well. Sell the rights to the wedding. Mm-hmm. And of course, no one is allowed. Everyone's searched. They've got security guards and they search every single person going into the wedding to make sure they don't have any cameras because you can't take a photograph at a wedding because any photographs taken, um, you know, it's basically been signed, sealed and delivered and only the official photographers can take photographs which they then go back to the Women's Weekly, then they, they publish them. Okay. Um, so there's a degree of shamelessness here which is pretty pretty real. Okay. Yeah, pretty, yeah. Pretty, pretty awesome. But the thing is, Paul, that... No one really knows anything about 
the couple today. They have no social media presence. There's photos. The Daily Mail occasionally takes photos of them kind of taking the kids to whatever, and they just look like a... They look like a tired 40-something-year-old Queensland suburban couple, Mm. you know, and it's just... You wouldn't know. No, no. But, you know, there's a certain uh, underworld, let's say gangster, um, in Sydney at the moment. Mm -hmm. And when Christine and I, we go down into the railway station at King's Cross, you're standing on the platform and sort of on the other side of the platform are these huge billboards, massive. Yep. And they are advertising um, a series. And this particular guy is, is featured prominently. He's still alive and he lives in the eastern suburbs. He's hardcore. And I, I, I find it a little bit creepy to think that bad people benefit right. from notoriety. Yes, I agree. And I, <laughs> I just think it's, it's not good. And I... Well, they don't, they're not typically benefiting because they've changed their ways. No. And because they've made some sort of pivot into philanthropy. They're, mm. they're benefiting because people want to know what they're up to. And I think if you've ever watched Frontline, you will get a really... And we were raised on Frontline. I mean, it's just such a cutting satire of that 60 Minutes of Current Affairs sort of... Mm. You know, the way they... there are The bar is very low. There are no scruples. And I wasn't around when this case was capitalized upon, but I can imagine the media circus was pretty intense. I just can't believe that I've never heard this story. Yeah. Or I may have heard it and I, I, I flushed it down the toilet mm-hmm. insofar as, you know, it, it would have been a certain type of publication and a certain TV show um, where I just have disdain for the organisations and I, I think the moral compass is pretty low when it comes to this sort of stuff. But I hope that, I certainly hope that our listeners um, are certainly more discerning. And it's a little bit, I mean, this guy that confessed and even had a bit of a story as to how he abducted her when she was 14, he was doing that as part of self-preservation. And I've been doing some background research on him and I thought Paul because he actually kept trophies and they also pretty well know that he killed a lot more women I'm very uh, interested because I was looking her up on the news I was looking up I was looking up Natasha Ryan and I was curious and there was a Daily Mail headline uh, very very recently actually um, brother of woman who stunned Australia when she was found in her boyfriend's house after being presumed dead for five years is jailed for shocking assaults on his partner and child. Jason Ryan, 24, pleaded guilty to 14 domestic charges in Bundaberg uh, for abusing yeah. his child and partner between 2017 and 2020. Um, and the lawyer used mm. the family trauma of the disappearance Correct. as an excuse. Uh, it's not such a bad idea, Paul. Look, he did go away for three years for domestic violence, which means it must have been fucking bad. Yeah. Like, bad. Yeah. However... Mm. From the age of basically one to six, the young brother, I mean, look, it's an interesting point. If you're a defence counsel, mm. you're going to pull everything out of your pocket. This is a, this is a good, good idea. Could I you, guess, in all, sorry, go on. 
I, I'm just thinking that I don't really. I think the being one at the time that's just plainly doesn't register. You wouldn't even know or remember. I, I imagine. Uh, maybe when you're in, you know, five or six, that's your starting school. Maybe there would have been a bit, of, could have been a bit of stigma um, around, you know, the disappearance of of your sister. Yeah. But but what the defence counsel then went on to say was that it was the then the sort of the 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 news coming back and and the intense media spotlight on his sister. That's part of the defence as to why he he's gone off the rails. Um, there are there is no excuse for domestic violence. Could you but, be good conscience if you, if you were a local and you knew what she'd done? I'm a very big believer in forgiveness, obviously, as a thing. But I mean, could you? We've not talked about how the mother felt because when she first found out that because the father and mother had very different reactions, right? Mm. Um, the mother was furious, and I would be furious. I would I would need answers, and there's there's no way for us to know what was said privately or what kind of resolutions were reached privately. But how would you feel if age 14 and disappeared and then reappeared age 19, having lived with a guy that was, you know, significantly older? And uh, you'd be happy she was back, but you'd also be angry. Right? Oh, palpably so. Terrible. But Paul and listeners, the mother did go to the wedding. Okay. Really? Yes. So... And how'd she look? Because uh, I assume you saw photos. Was she happy mm, or...? Look, that's the thing about coming back to the very beginning, but about photographs. Yeah. You know, the photographs that they... that When you do research on this particular case, the photos of the, the victim, mm. they're always kind of meme-type photos, aren't they? They make a look... You know, look, if they've got 5,000 or 500 photographs of someone and they're doing a particular story... They're going to pick the one that they're going to pick the their... one that goes with. Yeah, they're not going to use that photograph for when she's helping, you know, elderly people on Christmas Day feeding them in a nursing home. Yep. They're not going to use that photo. They're going to want use a, a beautiful photograph, maybe because yeah. there is a photograph of her when she was fourteen at school, or maybe a bit younger, and she looked just like a like it, like just a, a normal kid. You know, yeah. it's just look. You know, it's possible that maybe they are even listening to the podcast, uh, and or they've got friends that are listening to the podcast, and. You know, I don't... We tread a fine line, Paul. I don't uh, think... Dad, I honestly don't think if you had been involved in that that saga, true crime would be the thing that you went to to relax. I don't think so. But you yeah. never know, I guess, you know. No, I, I, I understand. But look, it's very... It's always difficult, Paul. You always ask me these hypotheticals about, you know, you sort of, sort of insert or substitute one of, you know, our kids... Mm-hmm. one of your siblings into the into the frame and it's very difficult to do that because there's so much you know i mean history. just as a i think it's a useful oh it's good it's good but... you know if Anne came home when she was 14 and said she's going out with a 21 22 year old guy i'd i'd just go well that's i'm that's sorry done. it's that's not happening yeah. that's we're moving yeah to another country and who knows what that would drive a 14-year-old in the throes of kind of hormones to do. It might make them double down and go, well, guess what? I love him, Daddy. And then she disappears. You, know, you, just, you never know. You know it's, uh... it's tough. It's tough being a parent. It's tough making these, these decisions because you're basing it on the available information, your, your, your background, your, your sort of moral code, as, as skew if as that may, may well be. Um, and 
it's the thing it comes back also to the type of upbringing you had mm-hmm. you know look Christine and I were both you know we were the discipline was very high on the scale in my opinion way over the top which is why Christine and I decided with you three kids to approach things differently and it seems to have worked really well mm-hmm. we're very happy with the way you, you know we brought you kids up but um, it's tough I think if you're really really tough on a, on a kid uh, the kid rebels or they cr- they crumple and just cave in and become a just a you know look whole whole different it's a can of worms I will never look at uh, closets the same way again Oh boy, what an intense story. When you got in touch with me and told me about it, uh, I really um, I really uh, thought it was going to end badly. And it did end badly, but just in a different way. So thank you for having a... Uh, thank you for providing a pivot, a much, a much welcome pivot. I really appreciate it. Well, I think that's all the time we have for this week's episode of Loose Units, The Shadow Files. I'm sure a lot of you have heard of this story, but I'm very curious as to whether of you uh, know her or were around for this period or were locals and kind of experienced the mania and the fervor that sort of got whipped up in the uh, in the aftermath because obviously it's a it's a very big deal for the people who are involved uh, anyway that's all the time we have for today's episode make sure you stick around at the end of the week for our episode of loose ends we've got some really cool stuff planned in the meantime have a great week everybody and we will see you soon for more loose units bye everyone cheerio why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.